Hello everybody, welcome to The Power Supply, your weekly digest of technology and science. With your hosts, David Lei and Ziyang Tui. Let's get started. Today we will be discussing the Dow market's unprecedented drop, Elon Musk's SpaceX launch, Apple's HomePod, world's first passenger drone, and Intel's glasses vaunt. To start things off, uh, let's talk about the Dow Jones uh, huge drop. Uh, The Dow Jones, isn't that like $23,000 or something? Yeah, it it was $23,000, but uh, this Monday it it dropped 1,175 points. And it was like a really volatile uh, day. It was like their biggest sell-off day, like where uh, the stock market people started to sell off their bonds in fear. Oh, crap. So, like, uh, it was really important that this was a Monday because uh, the stock market wasn't doing so well. Like, there was also a big drop on Friday, like the Friday before that. And then the stock market closed. And then the weekend gave, like, the investors lots of time to, like, get scared and, like, think about it. And then on Monday, they just all started selling. They just all, like, sell, 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 sell. And, like, that's why there's just been a, a, a like, enormous drop on so, Monday. So, uh, what does that mean for the world? Well, like, there's been, uh, uh, the drop's not only been in the U.S., but it has been in uh, a lot of countries. Uh, Japan's Nikkei dropped 6%. Uh, Hong Kong's Hang Seng dropped 4%. Like, there's just been drops all over the place. Oh, okay. So, what... Uh, so, I don't get it. What does this mean for me? I don't... Well, um, I think what's really important, or what's unusual, is, like, uh, what analysts are, like, pointing to the cause of the drop. And the cause, they say, are rising wages. And, uh... They, they, they claim that these rising wages uh, make the employers earn less, have less, uh, I guess, earnings overall, and that's what has led to a drop. And they believe that like drops like this will uh, lead to increased uh, rates of interest and stuff like that. So, yeah, like... So, so this is only going to be... So, do you feel like this is going to be used against uh, nor- people who work for em- employers? The- I think... Uh, uh, I think wages are... Like, there's been a very uh, low percentage of the unemployed, like, at uh, during this time. And, like, wages are extremely high. Even though, uh, like, for example, in the t- 2016 election, uh, the min- minimum wage was a big issue... Right now, like, wages are really high. And, uh, like, all this inflation, like, the wage inflation and the price inflation, it's not really good for the stock market. Like, the, um, like moderate inflation is a healthy component of the economy, but, like, this like this wage inflation might grow overheated, and it could be a real risk. And uh, it could might even cause a recession, like the 2008 one. Which is really scary. So, but, uh, some people can't even afford to live in a, like, minimum wage can't sustain a person to live in, like, an apartment, to rent an apartment, though. I think, uh, I guess the most, uh, 
I guess the wage, when I say wage inflation, it might not be in those jobs where the wages are inflated. That might be in uh, different careers, such as perhaps like uh, careers that make earn more money that okay. where the wages are inflated. There's just like a less uh, percent like gain, I guess, like net gain. Like the employers are just gaining less, and that's what is causing this uh, down market drop. So should we uh, be careful about another Great Depression? Uh, I, 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 I just think that uh, right now we shouldn't be extremely worried about it. It, it. It's just been a few days of dropping, and the market drops a lot, and it's not something new. But I think this market's tumult has a different message. It's that we just shouldn't like change something, like all of a sudden, like. We sh- we we should like the down market should remain consistent. So continuity, continuity, continuity. Okay. All right. So talking about something we do know about, which is technology. I don't know why we did the stock market. Um, recently, Tesla, uh, Tesla's founder Elon Musk decided to send uh, their biggest project, their big most ambitious feat into space. Yet they launched a. Uh, well, they launched a rocket. The biggest, no, they they launched their biggest rocket yet, called the Falcon Heavy, and for the reason because it is the biggest rocket they've launched, and it's the what's so amazing about it is that it's not only sent a Tesla car into space. A car? Yeah, they, wow. it was just for fun. It, they, that was their payload. Wow. So they sent it beyond Mars, but the fact, the most impressive feat is that the the thrusters that propelled it into space, um, both came back and touched down on Earth, which means that we now have an option for reusable rocket thrusters. And uh, wait, the name, wait, the name was uh Falcon Nine, and I thought it was really cool because apparently. The Falcon Heavy and the Falcon 9 were named after Han Solo's ride in Star Wars, the Millennium Falcon. Like, I thought that was just pretty cool. Like, someday we might build a Millennium Falcon, you know? Yo, I want to make... But for now, before we get to the Millennium Falcon, we got to figure out how to stop wasting rocket materials into space. Because that's what usually happens into space. So the normal rockets, they go into space. They have two stages of thrusters. They got a first to- a first stage, which is what gets it out of the atmosphere, and then that thing just cuts itself off and floats away into space as debris. And then the second stage is what gets it where it needs to go. Now, this is incredibly wasteful of resources, and this now that we have reusable rockets, it's... It's gonna change the whole game. It's gonna change the whole game. So, does uh, SpaceX allow its rockets to like return to Earth and allow it uh, allow it to uh, the resources to be reused, like the components and the parts? So all of them. Well, the most um, so recently, yeah, like the rec- recent recent uh, launch on Monday. No, on Tuesday, uh, the the rockets went up into the air. They came off first stage. They came back, and then what they what was impressive about them is that they were both synchronized in their landing, and that their landing was a success, unlike their other um, rocket component. 
which is the third, uh, the third, the big third rocket booster. That one crashed, but it's the fact that these two rocket boosters came back to back to Earth safe and sound, it's it's incredible. And you mentioned something about it carrying a payload. You know, like how much. Uh, like what's the what is, uh, the Falcon Heavy is capable of carrying? Like how much and what the Falcon uh, Heavy did carry to space? Well, the it's the Falcon Heavy's three rockets give it five million pounds of thrust, which allows it to carry seventy tons of cargo into space. So basically, uh, two humpback whales. Two humpback whales, or and if you want to go to Mars, you can carry thirty-one grand pianos. That's a lot. So, the payload that they decided to use was a car, and... What car? Uh, the, one, of the t one of Tesla's roadsters. And they, in fun fact, as, um, Elon Musk said, if you would, you know this is real, you know there's a car in space, because if it was, if it was not real, it would look real. Because <laughs> they would have such better CG, much better CGI than this. Yeah. And it's important to note that uh, Elon Musk is, uh, uh, a car company is also the Tesla. So, the Tesla is well known for not advertising, and I think this just might be the greatest advertising uh, advertisement of all. You know, like sending it into space. Like, what better advertisement could you want? I don't know, but Elon Musk is definitely changing the game with his tunnel, with his flamethrowers. All of the above. That's and now he's changing the game of space travel with his rockets. And we, I look forward to seeing what the future holds for us due to Tesla's advancements. But do you think that uh, Elon Musk, a private citizen, should be able to send uh, send stuff into space and build rockets into space, uh, like apart from NASA? Like he he's completely separate from NASA. Uh, I I personally feel like as long as he doesn't harm anybody in the process, I'm fine with him sending whatever he wants into space. But how can we regulate that? How can like we uh, like should we react to it? Like should we be reactive? Like if he harms something, we should stop him, or should we prevent him from harming someone? I mean, there definitely he's not the only uh, billionaire in the world. We can always. There's always going to be people looking out for their own motives, and we can always use that to our advantage when he decides to go, when Elon Musk decides to go rogue. And I think um, being in space and all that, there's a, I guess there's a huge unknown in space, and I think it just greatly you know, gives Elon Musk a huge amount of power. Like, what if he um, sets up satellites into space that? disrupt or like the normal flow like I, I think he, he just has so uh, this just gives him so much power and it um, should be looked after more you know I'm gonna trust in humanity humanity for this one and um, but really but as of now I see the rockets as a very helpful development and I can't wait to see what the future holds for us yep so, uh, up next, we're going to talk about Apple's new device, the HomePod. Yeah, so, um, you know, like, there's been, uh, what's it called, Cortana? No, not Cortana. Amazon had one. Uh, Fire. Yeah, Amazon, Echo. yeah Echo. Echo, and Google had its, like, home thing. 
So Apple's like, I think a bit late, but um, Apple's never been one to like rush its product, I guess. It, uh, its goal is to not to be the first to release something like this, but to be just better than everyone. And they claim and a lot of consumer uh, critique uh, critics claim that the Apple HomePod is really good. Yeah, uh, well, the funny thing about the Apple HomePod is that it did not sell out on the first day it was mentioned for, or it was up for pre-order, but rather it sold out the day before its release, after all the reviews have been submitted, and all the reviews gave positive feedback saying, uh, the Apple HomePod, relative to its price range, has one of, is one of the best speakers in that price range. However, I think uh, there's been a huge problem is that uh, the HomePod is not capable of discerning uh, different voices. So what is wait? Discerning? So like uh, it, this is really bizarre because in uh, Siri, like the Siri feature on iPhone is able to do that, but uh, the Apple is not able to tell the difference between one voice to another. Like Apple cannot. Uh, the, no, sorry, the HomePod is unable to differentiate your voice from mine. So what kind of problem? What kind of problems would that present? So like in the setup prompts, if you click like yes, 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 uh, this uh, like someone else could access your text messages. Like someone could be like, hey HomePod, uh, send a text message to Grandma telling her that I got in a car accident. Like anyone uh, can tell HomePod to do something like text someone or or. Uh, they can ask HomePod to read your messages, and that's a huge concern. So this, is, so it's just invading the private. It's not very protected the the private sphere. Yeah. So, well, why do you think? Why do you think Apple left it left software like this? Do you think they're also spying on us? Uh, so uh, Patel asked Apple uh, why the HomePod can't make out the the voices, and they just did not respond that's kind of sketchy yeah like if you look at i have i'm a proud iphone owner yeah and uh, i use uh, the scenery that i use is able to discern my voice from many others and i and everyone that i see you have uh, use an iphone is also very capable of like in the series that is smart enough to discern in a crowded room which is which is impressive, but then if you look at this, it really seems to damage Apple's like standards of being the best. Yeah, and but I think uh, like this feature, I guess, or like this uh, weakness shouldn't like uh, completely kill the HomePod, as you can like just disable this feature, uh, so people can't uh, look through your text and. Wait, so send then it. it just essentially just becomes some another aesthetic expensive speaker. Yeah, but. Like, there are many, uh, like, again, it, uh, accor like, according to The Verge, it has one of the best in sound quality, uh, uh, best in class sound qualities. It's just, like what you said, a really expensive speaker, but better. Better uh, than I probably, everyone else's. I'd probably wait until, like, the real problems show up with consumers, and then determine for myself, is this worth it? And I really, sometimes I really don't think it is, but on the other hand, I think that Apple's working towards um, helping us consumers in the in our daily lives. Yeah, like I think this is a cool product, but it might need some work.
So uh, there's also been a new development in the aviation market. In uh, China, uh, the world's first uh, autonomous passenger drone has uh, made its first public flights. Oh, wow. Wait, so, oh my gosh, so autonomous, you say? So, yeah, so the electrically powered Ehong 184 uh, just needs the passengers, uh, one or two of them, to strap themselves in a small cabin, set their flight path, uh, and push a button, and then the automated flight system does the rest. Oh, wow, this is, this is, uh, flying cars? Uh, it looks like a like a drone, like a car attached to a drone. It, it's pretty cool. So uh, let's let's talk about who made this. Yeah. So uh, the deputy mayor of uh, Guangzhou, and who is also the Ehong founder, uh, has made this uh, the Ehong One Eighty Four, and the drone can carry a single passenger weighing up to a hundred kilograms on a twenty-three minute flight. Um, at sea level, uh, at sea level, about a speed of a hundred kilometers per hour, and uh, it can fly through fogs and typhoons. So wait, so but twenty three minutes, how far is? Oh, it, it's hundred kilometers per hour is like what? Sixty. Uh, yeah, it's like sixty miles per hour. So if you think really think about it, it's like thirty uh, twenty to thirty miles. So, but uh, like what? Like I guess if if you're th it's it's completely different from a small plane. Small small plane, you need to go to a landing place, uh, a, a place to take off. Airport. You need a yeah, an airport or, a runway. <laughs> or a runway, and then you need a check off license thing, and then have someone take you off. It, it's very complicated, and it takes a bunch of time. And uh, to land, you have a need to find a place to land for this uh, drone. It's much smaller. You don't need all these different uh, procedures that make it difficult. And um, it, it's not designed for a long distance travel. It's designed to be something like a car to take you short places, but you don't have to deal with traffic or anything. Oh, wow. So, do you, so does uh, how the battery, is it light? Uh, it's pretty light. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's equipped with a multi-rotor system with eight, uh, propellers. So, it, it's, it's, it's not that heavy, and, uh, yeah, like, it could carry someone weighing 100 kilograms. And that's, like, what, 200, 200 pounds? Uh, give or take, yeah. Give or take, okay. And then, uh, but, like, owning this wouldn't be cheap. It'd be, like, 200,000 to 300,000 dollars to get one. But, okay. Okay, so that just ruins the whole appeal of it, but it's still pretty interesting. I think a plane would be much more than two hundred thousand and or to three hundred thousand dollars. Like you, a plane is like for I would, if I wanted a plane, I would go far, far away. I wouldn't just want a drone I could toy around with. A plane, I, like most, m most people who own a private plane, I don't think uh do it so that for the sake of travel. I guess like. For example, if I owned a private plane, I wouldn't. But the main reason probably wouldn't be for me to like, not go on like uh, normal planes. I guess. I, mean, uh, I think that's part of the reason. Uh, that that definitely is part of the reason, but it, it probably is not the main. Like I think, the appeal of buying a plane is having something you can control and just fly around and like toy around with it. I guess just look around. I don't know. I feel like if I had two hundred thousand dollars to waste, I would definitely think 
buy think about buying other things but it's still a cool do you think that one day when these drones become accessible to everyone when they start improving and they have better battery lives more capacity do you think we're ever gonna have a drone traffic yeah definitely like these drones can be like uh, the I guess the cabin is like smaller than a car it's tiny like I could see uh, these drones like uh, just flying around and like parking in a parking space like parking in a parking space that fits cars like I think that's a real like that might be a long way off but I could definitely see that happening so that's a good thing for short people but what about uh, I can the only thing I can think of when I think of a tiny pod is all the leg room that's gonna be missing Oh. It has it has as much legroom and space as a uh, as the uh, as the passenger seat of a car. So like uh, as a seat of the car, I guess. And m m most planes aren't very big either. And finally, we're gonna talk about a relative, a really new piece of technology. Now, all of you know what smart glasses are, right? The <laughs> the first thing you think of when you think hear smart glasses is. Uh, Google Glasses. Yep, and those little blocks made you look like a terrifying technological monster, and that's why it lost a lot of appeal. But today, um... And, like, isn't that kind of heavy? Like, I wear my glasses, I don't feel anything. I think it's just a part of me. It's like my nose. But I feel like carrying it around, or, like, wearing something that big is... It's gotta be a grind, like... Nah, not, not these ones, not these ones. Really? These ones... Made, these are Intel's um, prototypes of they're smart called the glasses. Yeah. They're called the Vault, and but the Vault is a use it basically reflects is a, any like standard glasses. They look they have no uh, they do not look like the Google Pixels at all. They look relatively nice. Uh, they look just like normal glasses, and the only thing that uh, really makes it a smart glasses is that it has a projector that projects images into your retina. So, like, let's say if you're at a dinner and you have these, uh, the in Intel's new smart glasses on, uh, could the person across from you tell that you are you were like surfing the web or something, or is it just? No, like well, they it's can't like, tell. It's really hard to figure out. The only like if you are looking at anything, it's only you can really discern it unless like you look really in depth or something, and that's just kind of, it's kind of creepy from there. But what you wouldn't really surf the web with these things. You would more like have them to provide information that's useful. Say you were going shopping, and you usually people have a shopping list on their phone, but sometimes that shopping list gets lost and you can't find it you have to scroll through it and it takes time and it just um, frustrates you but with these glasses you the image it projects right onto your retina allows you to look directly and see what shopping what things you need to buy and then it's it's really convenient and it also follows the same head movement principle so if I moved it this way I can see like I can like answer or not more, more check it off and if I move it back again I have like say oh I didn't actually do this let's uh, let's put it back on the list do you see this device being uh, used more and more like do you see this device to be integrated into society I see it as like another helpful tool 
Mate, it's not exactly as useless as an Apple Watch or something. Yeah. But it's not on par with the smart a smartphone either. But that's that's what Intel is trying to push for. So if you, if you remember what I said, this projects a laser onto your retina, the lowest possible frequency to be able to be called a laser. Now, you might think that's annoying, all the notifications popping up in your eye like, oh, you get a tweet, oh, someone liked your photo, oh, someone tagged you in a meme or something. But really, uh, it's going to help uh, Intel's trying to figure out to develop its AI for this, uh, these smart glasses to figure out, hey, what's most necessary? And they're even gonna, if you guys know how to code, I'm pretty sure most of you know how to code, yeah, right? I think a lot of people do. Um, they're, Intel's also gonna provide sample sets or developer sets, kits to people who are gonna help integrate the smart glasses into everyday life. Okay. So, while, and Intel itself is also going to work on that, but I feel like the, con and one more thing about the projection is that it's not directly in your line, line of sight 124-7. It's, it's this tiny strip where it's projected on, and you can have the crappiest eyesight. You can still see it if you look at it, that tiny strip. If you look just slightly above it, the image will disappear and you will ha continue having normal eyes. So yeah, I think uh, the Intel glasses are just a really, uh, like like you said, a cool thing that can uh, be used and that's uh, functional, but uh, they still have features that might need it to be worked on. Uh, but for, for now, they already solved the problem of unesthetic frames. And I would not, I would be fine wearing those glasses. I mean, and I, I look forward to wearing definitely I don't re I personally look forward to wearing smart glasses on my face okay yeah so uh, I guess that's it for the power supply episode 8 sorry for all the interruptions and the ums but uh, well, thank you and hope you uh, join us next week uh -huh.